Your favorite podcast platform is not deceiving you. You have known us as the You Thought Sports Podcast, but as of this episode, our show is now called Lunch Pail Guys. This is Jared. I'm podcasting alongside the whole crew of Lucas, Aiden, Bart, and Wyatt. <coughs> Wyatt, especially, shout out, has worked hard on an awesome new logo as well to complement this rebrand. Bookmark it, add it to your shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and follow us on our new handles on Instagram and Twitter at lunchpailguys underscore, all one word. Um, some other exciting news for the show. You might have seen already, in addition to our weekly episodes, we have two mini-series going on right now in the same feed that cover other sports topics. We, If you see an episode starting with the title, No Days Off, those are Wyatt's episodes about the NFL offseason. There's already one out about the franchise tag, so go back and listen to that. And if you see an episode title starting with Pit Stop, those are our Formula One episodes, usually with Lucas and I. And probably the only F1 show where you can hear a joke about Texas being back and Ferrari being back in the same episode. So <laughs> we'll have our own unique flavor there. Let's jump in, though, to the news we missed. First news that happened earlier today is that Matt Ryan was traded to the Colts for a third rounder. Pretty pretty good package, I think, for the Colts. Yeah, great value, I think. I know. Yeah, yeah great like, value. <laughs> I'm stunned they kind of pulled that off like the Colts have really kind of fleeced a few teams like they upgraded <laughs> at their quarterback and added draft picks in the net as well so yeah the fact that Matt Ryan is worth less than Carson Wentz based <clears throat> on that is pretty wild yeah like I know he's old but he's like yeah. a lot better yeah agreed hmm. speaking of quarterbacks that are Better than Carson Wentz, maybe. Jameis Winston re-signed with the Saints. Wyatt's favorite player. He's got, you know, he got injured last year, but he's got the LASIK. We got, we need to give him a full healthy season and, and evaluate from there. So, does LASIK get better with time? You know, <laughs> progression. <laughs> like, yeah. Good question. <laughs> it really, yeah, it really sets in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I like Jameis. Jameis is like one of the better options of like quarterbacks that were available though at this yeah. point. So like, I don't hate it. Yeah. 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 Uh, in NBA news, LeBron passed Kara Malone on the all-time scoring list to move into the number two spot on his way to take over the number one spot pretty soon as well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw, I think it was Skip Bayless tweet. He's like, this is just a longevity stat or something like that, which like, he's like, I guess. True, but also it's like you're criticizing him for being so good for so long. Like, I don't get like the basis like, wow, you're so bad because you were good enough to play in the nba for 19 seasons like, i don't know yeah. feels oh, cheap yeah i mean it was a longevity stat for everybody so it's like yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well there's there is definitely a lot of hatred between skip bayless and lebron james but there's a lot of love in las vegas now between Devonte adams and Derek carr Devonte adams has finally found a way to reunite with his college buddy Derek carr in vegas the Raiders sent this year's first and second round pick in exchange for Adams. Aiden, let me ask you, though, how far does this move the needle for the Raiders in a now pretty crowded AFC West? Uh, not far enough. I do think it's a great move. I, I definitely think it's a really good move. The Raiders desperately needed the number one receiver. They got one. Um, they're bottom 10 in red zone uh, touchdown percentage both the past two years. 
this will undoubtedly help that. Um, and as I think we've been discussing, Carr and Adams were teammates in college. They've been wanting to play together. They definitely have chemistry. Um, so I think it's definitely positive on that end. The fact that they lose a first and second round pick this year is something to consider. I mean, the, the Raiders have other holes. This isn't like a 2025 uh, draft pick that they're losing, so they won't be able to mm-hmm. fill holes on the O-line or maybe in the secondary. Um, besides that, though, the Raiders have had a, they've had a solid offseason. They added Chandler Jones, um, added a good corner. Um, but the AFC was just too crowded, and everyone, mm-hmm. everybody's been making moves, um, or at least the Chargers have been making moves, and the Broncos have been making moves. The Chiefs, I think, think they're good enough that they don't really have to make <laughs> big stuff besides getting Juju. Um, but I don't know. The Raiders were a scrappy team last year. They managed to finish second, make the playoffs. Um, but that seemed a bit lucky. They were outscored by 65 points last year, and no other team in their division had a negative point differential. So given the fact that the Chargers got Khalil Mack, a good corner in J.C. Jackson, plus I think they got a tight end today, um, plus the Broncos adding Russ, I'm really excited to watch the AFC West. I just I still think the Raiders are the, the worst on paper in that division, which isn't saying that they're bad by any means, um, but it's it's tough. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like the, they're the worst team on paper in that division, and the Devontae Adams trade within itself does not push them over the top, but consider that with a lot of the trades that they made. They traded Yannick Ngakwe for a nice corner in Rakyasin, of course, you mentioned they added Chandler Jones. And then Derek Carr, I think nobody is a bigger fan of Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, and Matthew Stafford than I am. But I think <laughs> I think that Derek Carr is a very good quarterback and that they're going to be able to develop the connection along with a new head coaching hire. And then as well, going into this next season, Darren Waller will hopefully have a clean bill of health. Last year he missed a couple games and just kind of was not able to be as productive, but... As far as the trade goes, I think it was a really, really good trade, considering that the Giants got a first, a third, and a player when they traded Odell Beckham Jr. back in twenty seven or what was it twenty nineteen? Um, so I mean, it feels like they didn't have to give up that much. So the twenty second overall pick this year in the in this year's draft is basically nothing, and you're not going to draft Devonte Adams with that pick anyway. Yeah, why you said second round pick. Hmm. Yeah, you can, but for the <laughs> short term, why did you say you don't think they're the worst team in the division on paper? No, at this point? I think if you go across the board and you think about it, mm-hmm. Mac Crosby and Chandler Jones, it may not be as good mm-hmm. as Joey Bosa and um, Khalil Mack, right. but it might be better than Frank Clark and and uh, Chris Jones, and it's definitely better than Bradley, Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. If you go good. Devontae Adams and Darren Waller as pass catchers. It's not better than Tyreek and uh, Travis Kelsey, but it might be better than you know the Chargers room, and it's definitely better than Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. I think if you go across the board, you might be able to find some areas where uh, the the Raiders succeed. I'm going to try and nail you on this. Who do you think, though, is worse than the Broncos? The Raiders? What? Interesting. Okay. I think that's the most. I would. I think they're the closest to me um, to being in the Raiders discussion. I'd agree with that. I think the Chargers, I expect the Chargers to be really good next year. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but Broncos, I mean, depending on Russell Wilson's health and whatnot, I feel like are a bit more of a wild card. Um, but I still think they're better. 
Yeah. yeah. I think maybe I, I like I think it's a great movie, at least for the, the very immediate <laughs> short term, but I'm not as convinced that this is gonna work out. Devontae Adams is clearly, I think, obviously like one of if not the best wide receivers in the NFL. But he's getting up there a little bit. He's gonna turn thirty this year. It starts to reach the age where wide receivers lose a little bit of their um, ability to compete. He's had some injury concerns. He hasn't played he's played most games, but he hasn't played a full season in the last five years. Like I do mm-hmm. worry a little bit that you get like I think first and second is not a terrible thing to give up, but I do worry that maybe he starts to lose a little bit of it by the end of this year into next year with age and injury concerns. And then you're going to really look like you mortgaged your future to not really push the needle over the top. Because I think the the way the Raiders roster is at at this point, it would take, I think, a complete overhaul to be competitive in that division. And I think they might almost be better served trying to wait it out a little bit and like invest in the future. Um, just because like for the next two or three years, I think the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Chiefs are all going to be really competitive. But the Broncos, I think you can wait out pretty easily because Ross is only yeah. getting older as well. And so I think if you keep those draft picks, maybe tinker a little bit in the next um, two or three years, I think you could set yourself up for success. And like, well, I don't think this is a bad move. Like adding the best wide receiver in football never hurts. Like I'm not convinced it's like a slam dunk for the foreseeable future for the Raiders either. Lucas, yeah, would you no, be... that's... Well, that's no. Those are good points, but I don't think you're never going to. You're going to wait 15 years if you're going to try to wait out Herbert and Mahomes. Yeah, you know, like sure, Roger, well. like Rogers, for example, he only won one Super Bowl, but he was dominating the, the division for mm-hmm. most of the time that he was there. Mahomes and Herbert probably will be doing the same. At least Mahomes, I think. Um, yeah. So I think also taking in the co- context with a new head coaching hire too, potentially gives who knows what kind of boost that'll bring too. I'm okay with yeah. like, sure. Like I don't know. This is this is the Raiders' time now. I don't know if they're. <laughs> you can't wait on like getting another Derek Carr or whatever it is. You just never know when that's going to mm-hmm. happen again. No, that's a great point. Yeah. Lucas, if you reset the off season, you're the Raiders. Would you be shopping Derek Carr in terms of like, if, like would you be? Yeah, I would. The future. Yeah. I would, I mean, seeing, like, the return, like, people are getting for Carson Wentz, like, I don't know. I think that, like, I don't think it's the best move. Carr is clearly very good, but if you have the fourth best quarterback in your division at this point, like, he's probably not going to move the needle for you to be a top-level contender in your division. I would consider shopping him moving for the future a little bit. And I was in that same boat before the offseason started, but I don't know what the Raiders are supposed to do outside of just continue to be, or to try to be competitive. When you look at how much more stacked the division got as time went on, they kind of had to double down and try to make a push for it. And if everything stayed the same, I would have said yes. You know, shop shop Derek Carr. You probably get a first-round pick back for him, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, and then go and rebuild the team going forward. But after the Chargers basically trade for Khalil Mack, it's like, okay, what? Like, I have no choice but to go go all in. And I think... Mm -hmm given the way that this offseason has gone in just free agency, I would have a lot of faith that this Raiders head office, front office is significantly better than Mike Mayock and Jim Gruden. And that even when they, with a third, fourth, fifth round pick or whatever, you know, and next year's picks, I would believe that they can still make enough moves to be one of the more competitive teams in that division. Time will tell. Yeah. What about uh, I honestly, yeah. 
No, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, no, I honestly admire the fact that they, like, didn't just kind of stick the middle ground here because they could have just mm-hmm. kind of kept things as is this offseason as everything happened around them. I feel like it would have been a pretty Raiders move to some degree. Um, but I'm kind of happy that they went at least one direction or the other, whether it was selling or trying to go all in rather than just, like, keep going forward because their mm-hmm. current roster um, was not going to, I feel like, cut it. Yeah. Definitely. What about the other side of the of this trade though, with the Packers, Bart? Do you think the championship window like just closed for the Packers, and and do you expect to see a drop in Rodgers' production and or motivation next season? I actually don't think their championship window closed. Um, okay. Let let me explain. I have I, I have a lot of points on this one, so I'll try not to lose you. Uh, okay, but uh, let me start by saying obviously they will miss Adams. He was a five time Pro Bowler. He made the first team, uh, first team All Pro the past two seasons. He was second in targets since nineteen, second only to Cooper Cup. So obviously Aaron Rodgers is going to miss him. And so I think to your second question, Rodgers' production will probably fall off, and his motivation will probably fall off. I think he got that bag with that contract and, and kind of was set. But uh, I think there's more to it than that. The Packers' defense is still above average. They were ninth in yards allowed, fourteenth in points allowed, eighth in takeaways last year. So above average. I know they might be losing Zadarius Smith, but I think above average is safe to say. But if you look at recent teams that have won the Super Bowl, it's not a given that you need an elite wide receiver. So, yeah, the past three teams all have had one. The Rams with Cooper <laughs> Cup. Uh, the Bucks the year before that with Mike Evans. And then the Chiefs the year before that had Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, right? But if you look at the four teams before that, Pats twice, Eagles once, Broncos once. The best receiver amongst that whole group was, like, Julian Edelman. Maybe Alshon Jeffrey with the Eagles. So those four teams were carried more so by good quarterback play, except for the one Pats season where they won the Super Bowl 13-3. That was just defense. I guess the Broncos with Peyton Manning with a broken arm, also defense. The point is you don't need an elite wide receiver. If you look at Rodgers' career before Adams, he was still really good. 250 yards, two touchdowns to half an interception ratio per game. That's like on par with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady's whole career numbers. His best receivers before that were Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb, and Jordy Nelson. Get this. Between the three of them in their career, two Pro Bowls. Total. <laughs> so Devonta Adams has them beat. They don't have a single All-Pro to their name. And so, like, the point is that we mentioned this earlier. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl with Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson as his best receivers. So they were good, right? I'm not calling them scrubs, but they weren't Devonta Adams. So I don't, think, I don't think the Packers' window is closed because Rodgers is clearly still playing at an MVP level. The key thing for them is that they need to sign at least a decent wide receiver this offseason. OBJ is still in the market. I know he's coming off an ACL, but he's still there. Jarvis Landry is no longer the Browns. He would be a decent option. It'd be great for them if they could snag a productive wide receiver in the draft. But I think think the point is looking at Aaron Rodgers' overall career, he can carry a team even without particularly elite receivers. So, yeah, maybe he'll drop off in production because he got his money and now he doesn't care so much. But I think they're they're still going to be competent offensively. And uh, a sight to behold if Aaron Rodgers is playing as well as he has been the past couple seasons. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, those are all great points. I had basically the same thing in like an all caps. I wrote, won a Super Bowl with Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings, like in all caps. Because, like, again, like you mentioned, they're good, but like, they're not great. And the fact that he was able to carry them to a Super Bowl, I think, makes me think good things about the future, especially, like you said, with how Rodgers has been the past few years, the level which he's played at. And and just with the way the rules are set up in the NFL right right now, a good wide receiver is is a dime a dozen. Like you can you can get Ben Skoranek 
to like you know from Notre Dame and pluck him into that Rams roster and fill OBJ's hole. Like sure he gave up in. I don't remember him catching a single pass. I know about that. Yeah, diamond dozen though. They are they are a diamond dozen though. Like you don't because of the way that you can't really defend them. You can't put your hands on them at all as a defender. Mm-hmm. It's they're just a dime a dozen at this point. I will say I think the Raiders overpaid for Adams contract wise, so the Packers are probably glad to have some cap space now, as opposed to having to pay that. But. Right. If the Packers can find a way to allocate uh, Devontae Adams' twenty million dollar cap hit into, let's say OBJ, Jarvis, and Julio Jones, I think that that mm-hmm. there's a possibility that it turns out to be a pretty good, you know, roster going forward. Mm-hmm. Couple that with two first round picks. You know, maybe you don't get OBJ, Jarvis, and Julio Jones. You do um, <clears throat> OBJ, Jarvis, and like Traylon Burks or something like that, or whatever that might look like. So they they still have two first round picks, and they have a chance to go and make some moves to fill out this roster. It really is going to be a huh? No, go ahead. It's going to be a question on whether or not Aaron Rodgers actually lets the excuse that I don't have Devonte Adams anymore bake into his brain, <laughs> where he just decides that he can just. You know, if he loses at the end of this game, it's not his problem. Devontae Adams isn't here anymore. You know, if, if you know, I have to a chance to run it into the end zone, well, it's not really my problem because I actually don't have Devontae Adams anymore. Uh, it's a question of whether or not, because now they're at the point where you're making $50 million, you have to fill the holes that the void your money creates. So Aaron Rodgers has to find a way to overcome the Devontae Adams loss. And I don't know if he has motivation to do it. He's he's very fickle too. If he starts getting if he starts getting down a little bit, he'll he'll quit. Like he'll get down on himself. He's done that before. <laughs> or blame it on somebody else, like you were just saying. The woke mob, maybe even. Yeah, maybe. that before. <laughs> no, why were you? Did you mean to say they were going to get all three of those wide receivers? You said and, or was that just? Am I reading too much into that? OBJ, Jarvis, and Julio. Yes. Yeah, they could do it. Spread wow. over twenty million dollars. They don't all cost. You know, they may all cost max $5 million and, you know, maybe max $7 million. But they're not going to cost, you know, a five-year, $100 million contract for any of those guys. Yeah. Do they yeah. need Julio all three of them? especially has kind of fallen off a cliff, so he probably won't command too much. How much yeah. did Julio threw, sign for the year Delta. before? Yeah. I threw Will Fuller in there as a name, too, that I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, Ben Skronix, the next Devonta Adams, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Notre Dame no, great EQ, receivers, EQ. Will Fuller, Ben Skoranek, elite talent. Sam Brown. Yeah, Sam Brown. Sam Brown just went with the Bears, I think. Oh. So. All right, then. We're going to move from Green Bay over to Cleveland. <clears throat> Baker Mayfield, before the trade, wrote a thank you letter to the city of Cleveland, subsequently requested a trade. The Browns denied that request because they thought they were out of the running for Deshaun Watson, but then offered more guaranteed money, I'm sure, and landed Deshaun Watson, whose status is unclear. There's a lot of backlash to this trade, but it's now likely that Baker is going to be on the move. We're going to talk about him. Wyatt, do you think Baker is going to find more success somewhere else in the NFL? If so, where? And where, what do you think his, his trade value will be? I read a report that teams were asking for the Browns to throw in a pick in order to take on Baker Mayfield. So if a bidding war were to start, I think at worst Baker Mayfield costs a fifth round pick. Do I think he's going to find more success somewhere else in the NFL? I do. 
Um, I think they, as as far as compared to last season goes, I think he's going to have a better year. The biggest disservice that he did himself was play on the injured shoulder. Because when you play enough games on the injured shoulder, you suggest that it's not a problem anymore. And if that's the the baseline that he's going to play at for the rest of his career, he might as well just con- you know announce himself as a backup quarterback. But clearly it was an issue. I think he's going to be able to bounce back from that. And I think he's going to have a season that's going to be produ- as productive of, you know, like the 2020 or even like his rookie year. It's, been, it's going to be a question of whether or not a team can make him more consistent. Uh, the Colts were a team that were significantly linked to him over the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they traded for Matt Ryan. But how many teams are there that can take on a developmental project for Baker Mayfield and make him into consistent quarterback? Is he not? Is he's not going to be any better than what we've seen before? In years past, but I think as far as being more consistent, being a decent system quarterback might be a good situation for Baker, like the same way Jimmy Garoppolo was for a Super Bowl level team in, in the 49ers. And that's why I think the Colts would have been a great destination for him, too, because I think he could have slotted in really nicely. They have a great running game. He wouldn't have had to do too much. I think if he would have landed anywhere, that would have been exact same thing we saw at once. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to pretend that they'll also apply to Baker. Also, if we live in a world where Wentz commands more of a trade package than Mayfield, I think that that's not good. But I think the two names, too, that I've been thrown out now with Baker, now that the Colts got Ryan, are the Seahawks and obviously the Falcons. And I'm not convinced either of those would be well great destinations for him. Yeah, and the Falcons just added Marcus Mariota today yeah. as well. Did they? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. On a two-year deal. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if... The, I, I'm not convinced they're going to have him as the starter. Just... But who knows, I guess, at yeah. this point. I don't know who else would be. Their other guy, like, threw a pick. Yeah. Threw a pick. Uh, is it a Felipe Franks, right? He, like, threw a pick in, like, his... Uh, the Thursday night game I watched against the Patriots. They threw, like, four straight picks. The team did. Um, something crazy. You know what this... You know what team I feel like is... is this is screaming. The scenario is the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. When did Baker mm-hmm. have the most fun in his life in college? Who's a college coach right now that's in the NFL? Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. That's that's the situation right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is the situation there right there. The, the the Panthers always strike out on. I mean, I think they've struck mm-hmm. out on Deshaun Watson a couple times, right? They never get their big name, so they settle for <clears throat> Sam Darnold or whoever it is, right? This time they're going after Baker, but I think it really could work if they go after Baker. And, like, it's not that tough of a division outside of the Bucks right now. It's one of the best divisions I feel like you could go to. Mm-hmm. Don't you have to do something with Sam Darnold's contract, though? Mm. Just cut him. I guess you just cut, cut him. Yeah. <laughs> Take the hit. <laughs> but, like, I know, like, I think people will say, like, well, I would say Baker had no consistency or, like, longevity at all in, his le- in the leadership of the team, presumably offensive scheme as well. And you can say, yeah, but the Browns had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL or, like, they had such a great run game or great wide receivers. But a lot of that was gone last year, and he also was not healthy. When he was, when he did have all that, yes, it's asking a lot. You're not going to have all that in a lot of scenarios. He was pretty good. He was yeah. a pretty good quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the or one – You're not convinced. <laughs> Aiden's not convinced maybe, too. The right? one I've heard that – or vaguely heard that I, I would want to happen is the Lions – I feel like that would be fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanna, like Jared Goff is obviously not the answer. Not that the Lions are going to be a great team, but like I feel like under Dan Campbell, maybe Baker would you know get a second wind. Uh, and look oh good. yeah, that's a kind of scrappy. Sure. I feel like it would. I feel like it mm-hmm. could work. 
Blue collar team to blue collar team. Exactly. <laughs> that is a culture fit if I've ever seen one. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Bart, you're not convinced either. You don't think that he'll uh, find success Or are you elsewhere? scared? I, I'm you're scared of him going to Detroit. <laughs> I never, I never book things, and this is like a really hard book to keep track of. I'm tempted to book that he will never make another Pro Bowl. Which I don't. Is that saying a lot? I just don't think he's gonna. I think he's gonna decline. In my opinion, Baker has not shown enough flashes. He's been in the. He's been in the league for four seasons, right? He had one good one. Uh, with, it's the Browns. With like one and a half. It's the Browns. <laughs> uh, I just yeah. feel like a lot of teams would kill for a quarterback that was, you know, outside the, a little bit outside the Pro Bowl. Um, bubble, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like Teddy Bridgewater. How many uh, QBs make the Pro Bowl? Like six, is that right? Um, yeah, which is why I'm not sure if that's saying that much. But okay, so like maybe... if, if Baker was like top twelve, I'd be very happy with him. Like, and I, I yeah. think he could do that. I feel like he was top twelve a year ago so, or whatever. He, here's um, a question for you, Aiden and Bart as well. At Jimmy Garoppolo's peak, how highly did he <laughs> rank as a quarterback? <laughs> What's the, what's the number attached to it? I need to dive into the numbers before I answer. <laughs> just, just, just an eye test. He's Off in the teens. Gut, what number do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo peaked at? Did, was he ever a top 10 quarterback? No. Uh, no, not. but he was above average. He was was top he a top 15, 15 quarterback? He's a winner. Yeah, he's he was top 15. Yeah. Okay, he was so top yeah. 15. At top, top 12? Maybe, somewhere around. Okay, there was anywhere from 13 to 15. Because I think that that's Baker Mayfield's yeah. peak is, is somewhere between 12 to 15. All right, well, that's a Super Bowl appearance. So there you go. Yeah, and I said that. I think that, I think that he could be. Yeah, he could be on one of those teams that won a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, Carolina, Detroit, or Seattle don't have Kyle Shanahan, Debo Samuels, and George Kittle on them. So it's going to be a lot harder for those guys. Like, I mean, it's going to be. He has a ring. He played with Tom Brady, right? I mean, whatever. But like, <laughs> I think I just I agree, Jade. I think Carolina is the best place to go if he wants to actually see some success. Uh, go toe to toe with Tom Brady. Have two uh, pick number one and pick number three of the same draft. How many play- people can say that they have uh, those players in their team? What a star-studded roster for the Panthers. Okay, I'm a Baker fan. I'm putting that on the mm-hmm. record. I want to see him succeed in the NFL. As well, I, I like the too. chip on his shoulder. So. I will also mm-hmm. say I would have also picked him number one overall during that draft. Yeah, at the time. Obviously, knowing what we know now. well um that's going to conclude our nfl talk there we're going to move over to some college basketball talk probably the most we've done on the show in a while um maybe ever we made it through the rounds of 64 and 32 in the march madness tournament we're now going to do the thing of power ranking the 16 best teams in the tournament who will miss the cut just kidding. There's only 16 teams left, obviously. So <laughs> we're just going to power rank all 16 of them. Starting off with Lucas, who's the best overall team remaining? University of Kansas. Or no, Kansas University is what it is. No. It's, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. KU. They went no, KU, no, I, I mean, think. You might be right, but I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. no it's one. a great pick. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think they haven't struggled in the way that any of the other number one seeds have. Unlike Gonzaga, they were in complete control of their first round game at all times. And like Arizona, they didn't need an OT and a controversial call to win their second game. Team's really well-rounded. They did a good job holding off a difficult Creighton team. Remy Martin has emerged as a really good playmaker. And they've done this all despite injuries to Ryan Kalkbrenner and Ryan Nempard. 
Uh, so overall, I think KU's looked really good, um, more so impressive than any of the other number one seeds. And for that reason, I think they have to be number one in the power rankings. I think Providence will be a tough matchup for them in the next round. Mm-hmm. Providence has looked really good too, um, but I think Kansas number one overall in the power rankings right now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, number two, Aiden. Yeah, I. Wanted to take Kansas, so I'm a bit mad. Um, <laughs> I'll take who I assumed was going to be taken. I'm going to take Gonzaga, regardless of the fact that they have been kind of iffy so far. Um, also tempted to take a team that looks a bit more, you know, start up and fun. But Gonzaga's had very rough halves, first halves in both their games so far. Georgia State, they let stay in it for way too long before blowing them out. Um, and Memphis was a pretty big on them um, for a while. Um but the Zags, when they seem like they come alive, do look kind of unstoppable. Uh, like when Drew Timmy against Memphis started really getting at it in the second half, like nothing could be done with him. Um, and he's just one of the weapons, right? I mean, they've got plenty of other guys to rely on. Um, so I think I still am a bit too in love with, I guess, their, their raw talent um, that I can't put them too much farther than two. Um, even though their, um, their path to the Final Four isn't the easiest, they're um, like region of the bracket is not as screwed up as some of the others uh <laughs> though their next game against arkansas the sec has looked very shaky so who knows um i think they'll probably be okay in that one hey survive so, in advance you don't get points for uh you don't get points for style, <laughs> style. <points. Yeah. laughs> but our whole thing we're doing right now is style points so we'll see how that <laughs> yeah, plays out no i still love committee Holgram, who's uh seven feet tall and 190 pounds he is so narrow <laughs> i just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, dude like eat something but anyway yeah, and he's gonna be like a top three nba draft pick like i'm excited to see what happens when he gets into the nba <laughs> and then like, like a twig Honestly. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Embiid was skinny when he got in, and now he's huge. So I'm sure they'll do the same thing with Chad. He, he is injured a lot, though. But yeah, yeah. Bart, Bart, let's go to you for the third uh, pick. I'm going to go with Zona. Zona is my, my uh, champion pick in the one packet that I made, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, Lucas mentioned Kansas being really well balanced, and that's kind of my reasoning here for Zona as well. Uh, offensively, they score really well, they shoot efficiently, they're normally a good three point shooting team. I know they shot 5 for 27 against TCU, but <laughs> counterpoint, they shot 5 for 27 and still won the game. <laughs> so I think like it's kind of it's I think it's still encouraging. Christian Coloco and Benedict, I don't know how you say his name, Matherin are a great one two punch, which is I think it's nice when you kind of have guys that you rely on offensively. Defensively, they hold you to very few points, they rebound well, and they do a good job of stifling you uh, with stocks, steals and blocks. So I, I just like they're really solid on both sides of the ball. I don't love the fact that it took them to uh, OT to beat TCU, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the good teams pull out the close games, so I think in, in another sense, it's encouraging that they were able to still hold on to that one. So yeah. I'm going with Zona. It would have just taken the ref blowing their whistle when <clears throat> Arizona assaulted TCU at midcourt, but <laughs> as we said, you move on and that's all that style points. Yeah, are out the window. <laughs> Yeah, the officiating has been pretty sus this tournament. Yeah, and I know I'm not like alone so in games. thinking that. I, oh, Notre Dame Texas Tech game too. There are a couple things oh. that like were just brutal. Notre Dame Notre Dame game. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. Notre Dame did plenty on their own to blow that game, but yes. the refs did plenty also. So. Yeah, Blake Wesley like giving it away for three straight possessions. <laughs> hero ball, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> yes, hero ball. I literally texted somebody. He's playing too much hero ball. Like as that game ended. But, Is Notre Dame yeah. in the top sixteen? Okay, <laughs> lost, 17. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, they were so good in the uh, in their loss to Texas Tech in the second round that were honorarily power ranking okay. Notre Dame. Why you can't pick Ohio State here either? Who do you got for? <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Duke. I'm gonna go with the number two team in their corner of the bracket, and you get a little bonus point jump into our top four by being a team of destiny. All right, Coach K mm. is very famous for farewell tour, and uh, it, it keeps moving on. He makes his way to the Sweet 16, which apparently I realize is a huge honor after Arizona was extremely celebratory winning their game against TCU <laughs> last night. So. I just kind of thought it was one of those things. Duke should be proud that they took Coach K to the Sweet 16. Um, and they'll be more proud when they win the championships, and like I said uh, last book week. It, book it. Yeah, yeah I'll book Duke it. Looked at, I don't care. They, they were impressive. They like kind of just like turned it on in the last few minutes against <clears throat> Michigan State when they like they kind of let up a big lead, and then they just really just like turned In the same way, I think Gonzaga has turned it on. Duke really just really turned it on at the end of that Michigan State game. Dude. It's impressive. It's when you get hot. Yeah. <laughs> True. How low is that dude? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's gonna be so good. Another top three draft pick. Probably. I'm up for the fifth team. I'm going with Villanova here. They were also originally a two seed. They've won like obviously they played a fifteen seed and then um beat Wyatt's Ohio State Buckeyes. But Tough they've win. won by like <laughs> twenty and ten points. Um and while putting up like eighty and seventy one in those games, so that's pretty good control. They have an eleven mm-hmm. seed next. So I think they're probably looking pretty good for the Elite Eight. Um, so I'm going to go uh, Villanova here at five. Yeah. And back Villanova, like, Villanova doesn't make mistakes, I feel like. They don't turn the ball over. They're, mm-hmm. they're the best free-throw shooting team in the country. I feel like ever. They, ever, was, too. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah, best free-throw well shooting team ever this year. The tournament, but anyway. They are incredibly mm-hmm. fundamentally sound. That's not a joke. Yes. I, I watched a video about <laughs> their warm-ups, uh, like what they do during warm-ups, and they're doing like the the hop step uh you know grab two hands on the ball and the rebound stuff like they they go for it as far as fundamentals go <laughs> jump yeah. stops yeah jump stops guys <laughs> there yeah. of uh lucas with the six the six pick I'm getting number two on my big board at number six. What? I'm getting the Houston Cougars. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. Houston has been, I think, the only team remaining in this tournament that has just thoroughly dominated each of their games. They beat UAB by 14, who a lot of people were like picking as like a trendy upset. I remember Charles Barkley picked it. No question, just killed UAB. And next, they played a really good Illinois team, and they killed them too. They beat them by 15. Um, I think they didn't get a lot of hype coming into this the tournament. This year, because they're in the American Athletic, who has some good teams, has Memphis, has SMU, has Temple, but like no, like really like crazy good teams. Um, but they've looked incredible. They've dominated everybody. They made the Final Four last year. I think people forget that too. That like they're they're really good. They have some carryover from that, and I think they've been more dominant than any of the higher ranked teams in the tournament. They play Arizona next, which will be a really fun matchup, I think. But I think they have a pretty good shot at taking out Arizona too. So Houston is a uh, I'm taking a number six. Okay. One thing I was going to call out on them if I got to use them, mm-hmm. uh, they shoot 67%. We were just talking about how good Villanova is at the free throw line. Yeah. They shoot 67% from the free throw line. If they lose this game, it's going to be because they miss. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Aiden, what about seven? Yeah. No, I really respect the Houston pick. I was I was very much thinking about them at number two. Um, but I'm going at seven with UNC. <laughs> Um, before the, you know, controversial ejection of Brainy Maddock, um, UNC was dominant against Baylor and they still showed some grit despite, you know, allowing a 25 point comeback. They showed some grit actually winning the game. 
Um, but that's not to mention the fact that UNC absolutely obliterated like a good Marquette team round one, winning 95-63. Um, mm-hmm. And they did lose in the ACC tournament to eventual champion Virginia Tech, but we all remember how they dismantled Duke in Coach K's home finale. Uh, so I think they're a pretty scary team right now, to be honest. They seem to be on a bit of a, a, bit of a tear. Um, so I think they've got a shot in a, a region that's like fairly wide open at the moment, a region that doesn't have a one or two seed left. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, with number eight, Bart, who do you got? I'm going to go with Purdue here, uh, basically because they are arguably the most potent offensive team in the country when everything clicks for them. Uh, their defense is sus. <laughs> I'll say that much. Um, they're like they're a below average defense. I'll just be honest. But offensively, like they shoot a super high percentage. They haven't been super good from the three in this tournament, but it, this season they were. So I, I think that's going to regress to the mean, and they're going to be uh, even better and like even more frightening from there. And they're also really going to take care of the ball. Jaden Ivey is a beast. And so this is, I was talking about this earlier. I, I like when teams have guys that they can rely on down the stretch as opposed to just being like a spread the love kind of team. Uh, Jaden Ivey can carry them through tough stretches and I like that. They're playing 15th seeded St. Peter's next, which also bodes well. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with P- Purdue here at eight. <clears throat> yeah. Jaden Ivey's mom too, coach Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh. yeah. The basketball family. Yeah. My goodness. Oh, oh. Is he the, he's the guy from <clears throat> South Bend. I remember seeing that. Okay. Yeah, Neil Ivey is his mom. Uh, Wyatt, what about number nine? I have a very tempting pick here with UCLA. I think, you know, they, like um, Aiden was saying, they don't have a number one or two seed on their side of the bracket anymore. Like you you were talking about UNC. So, I mean, projecting forward, they probably have one of the easier paths to make it to the Final Four. (laughs) But, you know, I don't like first round scares. And having a scare against Akron, it's going to push me away. And I'm going to look towards Arkansas, who have one of the thir- who has the third best defense since January 8th, per you know some <laughs> random rankings. And when you think defense, you think the South. And when you think the South, everyone's start going to start thinking about Arkansas, who may also be a team of destiny because they made their second straight Sweet 16 after not being in one since 1996. So, you know, destiny is on my side, on my picks today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the question is, will, uh, what's his name, Jaime Jaquez, um, be good to go for it? Because I know he lost, or he, like, rolled an ankle towards the end of their round two game. The same yeah, for UCLA, so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. Wait, you took UCLA or Arkansas? Yeah, no, Arkansas. I took Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. No, yeah. Arkansas. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Aiden Sorry. doesn't listen to anything I say. I know, I... I, I... <laughs> preloaded it you can't see our group chat Aiden got up and walked around the room as I was talking and then sat (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness sorry Jared (laughs) no 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 it's fine we we do uh, we love you for your your flaws and all but uh (laughs) number number 10 I'll go number 10 here moving on though no I'm just kidding I'll go number 10 Uh, I think I'm gonna go Texas Tech actually the team that uh, unfortunately dispatched Notre Dame I was not. I haven't watched. I didn't watch their first game when they won by like thirty-five points. I was not that impressed by what I saw in the Notre Dame game. That being said, a lot of people do like them and have them pretty high up on their their boards of remaining uh, teams. And they're like a really veteran team as well that like could pay dividends down the line in terms of scrapping out some of these games when they're all they're like gonna be close. So um, I think I'll go. I'm comfortable with Texas Tech here at ten, and then uh, back to the top here. Lucas at 11. 
I'm gonna go with a uh, with Providence. Who I had a little bit higher on my big board uh, that I picked here too. I'm a I'm a sucker for the little northeastern Catholic schools that do well in college <laughs> basketball all the time. But not only that, um, you know, they talk about three and D players. Uh, Providence is a three and D team. They uh, not only against South Dakota State, who is the top three point shooting team in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jared's upset pick. Yeah. They held them to only thirty percent from three. It's pretty impressive. And in that same game, they shot. 54% from three. So they got the three and D in the South Dakota State game. Even though the game was a little closer than you might have expected. They won by nine. I think it's still impressive that they, you know, held the best three-point shooting team. It's not being too good from behind the arc. And then in their second game, they demolished Richmond. They won by 28, 79 to 51. Richmond, who beat Iowa, who were a lot of people's trendy pick to, like, go to the final four in this tournament, lost to Richmond. And then when Richmond came up against Providence, um, yeah, they didn't do so well. Providence played... Really well throughout the year. Only had, you know, a close loss to Nova and some other really close losses, but were otherwise really, really good. They were won the Big East regular season title, 27-5 overall. It's an impressive mark. So putting Providence uh, next on the power rankings at 11. Alrighty. And then I don't have the outline up. Number 12, Aiden, right? Yep. There we <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> um, I lost that line for a second. Why I was considering taking them, they're still hanging out on the board, so I'm going UCLA here. Uh, they really took over in the second half against St. Mary's. They looked like the you know similar to the Final Four team that they were last year. Um, as Wyatt also mentioned, they're a bit kind of uh, scattered, or or sometimes they're they're inconsistent, as in the very close Akron first round game. Um, so you don't exactly know what you're going to get. Um, but we've kind of talked about their region of the bracket. It's weaker. They've got UNC next, and then they're playing the winner of Purdue-St. Peter's after, so St. Peter's. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I think that's worth something. And Jaime Jaquez uh, is potentially down with an injury. That'll be a, a big kind of wild card uh, factor here. If he's in, I feel like they've got a really good shot at making the Final Four. If he's not... That, that does hurt their chances, um, but I do think, given their Final Four experience, that they are a threat here. I, I saw a quote that said, if if he is capable of walking, he's going to play, which seems <laughs> not great, but oh, yeah. We'll see. You know, glorious forever, a working foot, you don't need that for yeah, the rest of your life. <laughs> Literally survive in advance. Um, Bart, he's crawling down the court. But... <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Miami here. Um, yeah. I think them them thumping Auburn was definitely impressive. I mean, I think that's that's like the gist of the argument here. Auburn was the <laughs> SEC champ. They had an argument for a one seed at least you know at some point in the season. Miami themselves is not really anything to write home about defensively, but like at least their offense is solid. They put up seventy nine on a good Auburn defense, right? So yeah. I think that's relevant. They shoot well. They take care of the ball. Isaiah Wong and Charlie Moon are also a solid one two punch. They only lost by Duke, to Duke by four in the ACC tourney. So it kind of seems like maybe Miami can play with anybody if they really feel like it. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're kind of getting to the point where the teams are not super well-rounded. But I think I like <laughs> Miami's odds here. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, they did. They made my Auburn pick look decently. Decently? Okay. Uh, why? what about 14? What an honor it is to pick the 14th ranked team in a Sweet 16 mm. power ranking. <laughs> and I'm not going to let St. Peter's drop any lower than right now because I love picking good te- teams of destiny. So I'm picking St. Peter's at 14. Uh, they're, they're quite the story because, you know, they're like the Cinderella story that we have every year. Uh, the coach had a very – I'm going to mess it up because I don't remember it entirely. 
the coach was like, I got a bunch of kids from New York. You really think you're going to let people push us around? We're the ones who do the push in basically. And, uh, you know, when you knock off Kentucky and Murray state, I think you can say that. And you also become the first MAAC team ever to make it to the sweet 16. So, you know, upsets is that, aren't is that a real conference. Yes. Yeah, this- <laughs> <laughs> Metro athletic. Metro Atlantic Athletic? It's just all the New York City teams, basically, and like the New York City metro area. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, so it's there's entirely a possibility that they might have a chance to beat Purdue in another upset. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? I know that they're like really small and undersized, and they're a small school and all that stuff. But uh, after watching the TCU Arizona game, nobody boxes out anymore. <laughs> So they have a chance to actually be able to, you know, get over the hump of having of not having that many big bodies. Okay. No, I, my favorite thing is to in like all the St. Peter's games, they always be like, and and from Jersey City, and they never seem to really know where like Jersey City was in New <laughs> Jersey too. Um, and eventually, they finally seem to figure it out. But like the amount of times they mention like, oh, back in Jersey City, like St. Peter's is partying. I feel like it was really high. Alrighty, uh, fifteen here. Don't really have much to say. I- I'll say Michigan, I guess. Um, I they were, I think, the worst record to make it into the tournament. I believe mm-hmm. uh, their coach obviously got suspended a little bit mid-season. Just a little. Um, just a little. <laughs> yeah, they're just not really that good. Um, they did beat like a six and a three seed, obviously. Um, but yeah, they. I don't. Ex- you don't. Nobody expects them to make the final four. Um, and I, we, I, we, I think we'd all be shocked if that happened. So, as a sports I'll put Michigan team, here, and this is Michigan's best year in a while, or as a, yeah. as a school. True, mm-hmm. pretty good year. Yeah. Though Michigan has made like four straight Sweet Sixteens. I know Michigan football hasn't been as, uh, <laughs> but I mean they beat Ohio <laughs> State. Ohio State's wildly yeah. consistent. Michigan basketball, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know. That's tr- that's yeah. true. Beat both I really would have loved Ohio sports. State though to beat Nova so they could have played each other in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Michigan football makes been... a Sweet Sixteen every year in the in the Big Ten. So, <laughs> that. Lucas, that probably would have been one of the 16. worst games we could possibly see if Ohio State. Yeah, it would have been brutal. <laughs> Lucas, you have anything to say about Iowa State? Yeah, their offense is awful. Like if you look back in the tournament, they've only they've scored fifty nine to fifty. 59 and 54 points in their two games, respectively. I'm not convinced that, like, either of those wins are any good at all. LSU, like, their coach got fired, like, at three days before the tournament or something like that. So it's like they weren't going to play well. Um, and then Wisconsin has been, like, sliding at the end of the season. Like, Johnny Davis, their best player, was kind of hobbled, like, coming into the game. So I'm not convinced either of those wins are any good. In their second to last regular season game against Oklahoma State, they scored 36 points. Like that, that kind of offense is not going to beat anybody in the tournament. So, I mean, I'm happy for them, but I think both the ones are fluky. Um, and they're going to lose to Miami the next mm-hmm. game. Yeah, wasn't the story that they were like 2 and 22 last year or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, yeah, props. Yeah, good for them. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm not convinced they are, they are any good. Yeah, two and twenty. That's crazy. I don't think I realized how like that mm. that happened, but no. insane. Yeah. Well, I'm quite excited for this. We're gonna we're gonna um, do our last segment on something I think is pretty interesting here. 
again, Lucas, they were partying in Jersey City uh, when St. <laughs> Peter's University mercilessly dispatched Kentucky in the 15v2 seed first round matchup. Since this game, there's been some criticism of Kentucky's coach, John Calipari, that his focus as a coach has been in getting players to the NBA and not in winning college basketball titles. Lucas, do you think, one, that this is a fair assessment of Calipari, and two, do you think that the best measure of a successful blue blue blood coach is getting players to the NBA or winning titles? Uh, First, I want to say, too, I I realized why it deprived me of taking the other little Northeastern Catholic school, too, in the (laughs) tournament, so not a fan of that. But to the Calipari question, um, first, this is a fair assessment. I think you have to split it into sort of two eras of his career. So I think for his pre-Kentucky career, absolutely he was like not more focused on getting players into the NBA than winning titles. Because I think just like by the nature of the programs he was at, he was at UMass and he was at Memphis, um, both of whom he got into the Final Four, which I think alone shows that like he's focused on creating winning programs. And plus he didn't really have that many big NBA hits either. Marcus Camby at UMass is probably the biggest name that came out during his time. And then Derek Rose at Memphis. Um, but I think clearly his focus was on winning games, um, consistency, and making, you know, Final Fours with two not huge programs. Memphis obviously a bigger program than UMass, but to make it the Final Four with both is, I think, impressive and talks to, or sort of speaks to his ability as a coach and what he was focused on. But at Kentucky, I'm not so sure the answer is as clear as that he's more focused on winning than he is to getting players in the NBA. Um so since he won his only championship there 10 years ago, uh, their performances have been pretty lackluster. Um, they have more tournament misses than Final Fours. They made, they've missed the tournament three times in the past 10 years and made the Final Four once. Um, and even in the other tournament appearances, they've kind of underwhelmed, kind of capped by losing in the round of 64 this year. But on the other hand, uh, during this time, the draft picks have continued at an incredible clip. Kentucky had the most draft picks in the 2010s of any school. They had 29. Duke was next at 20. Um, and even in their three worst years in that span where they missed the tournament, they still produced some really good high-level NBA talent um, that probably should have won more games in the tournament and at least made the tournament. Guys like Julius Randle and Jamal Murray both played on teams that didn't make the tournament. Um, so has the rate at which he's hit on getting guys drafted way higher than the rate at which he's hit on court success at Kentucky? Yeah. But again, I don't know how much of that you can chalk up to his commitment to one thing versus the other. The NCAA tournament is notoriously hard to win, and there's just an element of like randomness and chaos, I think, that happens. Like Even Coach K, over his entire 40-some-year career, has only won five national championships, which is impressive, but like there's 35-some years when he hasn't won some. Cal Perry's like, rate, if you push out, is not that much different. But there were some... If you look at his you know success at Memphis and UMass... There's almost more consistency in making the tournament and like making deeper runs in the tournament there than there has been in Kentucky. So I think that speaks a little bit more to, well, he might not be like way more focused on making, producing good NBA talent. I think that there's probably at least a very strong element of that there. And that's how he gets people to come to Kentucky. As for how a college kid should be judged, I think you have to break it down into levels. Um, first, from like a legacy perspective, I think winning is obviously more important. But... Bart mentioned this in the outline. I can let him elaborate on it a little more later. I think for players, uh, it's not as sure. I think for a player, it might be more attractive Mm -hmm. to go to Kentucky because you'll get into the NBA. Like, you're probably less concerned with your legacy as a great college basketball player. Like, you know, who are the great, like, this college basketball players that you can think of? Like, Christian Leitner, maybe? Like, I think I'd much rather be, I don't know, 
Carl Anthony Towns, who like was good at really good in college, but is now an all-star NBA player as opposed to Christian Leitner. Um, so I think from a player's perspective, it's a little different. But that being said, I think the legends of the college coaching game are the ones who are there because they won a lot. So if Calipari wants to be like an all-time great coach, like Coach K won a lot, Wooden won a lot, and that's where they're the all-time greats. And did they also produce a lot of good NBA talent? Yeah, they did. But the reason they're all-time greats is because um, they won titles, which Calipari hasn't done as much. Can I ask this question real quick before other people jump in? If you're, what if your main motivation is making an impact on like young young athletes' lives? What do you think is the better measurement? Getting to the NBA. Yeah. Okay, everybody yeah. thinks that. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So it's all about money. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> so it's not about the experience of winning a college championship. The experience which of winning the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, good it's a job. Yeah. yeah, it's a lifelong <laughs> dream for most of them. Yeah. I, I, my first thought is not the money on that. Actually, yeah. but, okay, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, it's fine. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think like, I definitely agree that um, like long term, if you were a coach and were like, I want to help this person's development and growth as a person, you want them. The focus would be on getting them to the NBA or getting them to their calling. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's no like John Calipari has always been trying to use like short term talent to win stuff like that's or at least in his Kentucky days like that's what he's trying to do he's trying to make use of like super talented guys who he knows are going to be there for one year um Mm -hmm. and he's willing to make the sacrifice of like we know we have you for one year to try to win a championship and I feel like it just hasn't it's worth like he has won a title I mean that's that's Mm -hmm. not nothing um but it's it's clear that that's not enough to I don't know become coach K for example Okay, but so here's yeah. a question. What is the value of a title in the March Madness bracket? Does it actually determine who the best basketball team is that year, you think? Yeah, not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> like, like I said, I think before too with Kentucky, like there's just been such an element of randomness in March Madness to some extent. Like it's why I love it and why it's fun to watch, but it's like a system for picking a deserving champion like, I don't know how yeah. consistently good it is. Like, fluky, weird things happen <laughs> yeah. all the time, and that might devalue it a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, he has also produced some, like, bad teams at Kentucky. They, like, missed the tournament last year. They missed the tournament other years. Like, I don't know. No team that has, like, Julius Randle and Jamal Murray on it, I feel like should be, like, missing the tournament, and they did. So I think that might be a little bit indicative of some of his coaching, too. Yeah, I saw someone make an interesting point that – it kind of seems like his tenure in Kentucky is proof that one and dones in general are not the way to go for winning titles. Like even if they're really good one and dones, and I think we've had this conversation before. But like if you look at North Carolina, I think is like the best comparison. They usually keep guys for like two, three years, right? And they've won more titles. Uh, well, they've yeah, they won one more title since Calipari started at Kentucky. And then if you count the year before that, they also won the title. So they've won three since then. Kentucky's only won one. So it seems like. Given his commitment to getting players and good players into the NBA quickly, i.e., in one season, kind of seems like it's a sacrifice that you have to kind of make to, to yeah. give up some odds of winning the titles because those players just don't have time to gel and they're just not, you know, yeah. seasoned enough. Yeah, I feel like it's hard to tell in the one and done era of what works and whatnot because I think mm-hmm. it started what in like 2006 or something. 
Is that correct? Yeah, I think um, something around around that. Yeah, I think '05 was the last. Yeah. Andrew Bynum might have been the last uh, guy who went to yeah. high school. I think that's right. Yeah, he was the last high school. Because I like since then, no team has won more than two NCAA titles, I believe. Um, I a bunch know. of them have won two though. Nova, Duke, UNC, Florida, UConn have all won two titles. Like I feel like Kentucky is you know one thing away from having. You know, they, they were in Final Fours, they were in title games. Um, you know, they're potentially a few fluky plays away from having a second title anyway. So it's hard to tell if it was successful or not to some degree. Um, I don't know. It seems like like college basketball, the ta- like the talent has definitely been concentrated amongst just a few teams. Like the same few teams seem to kind of be in the conversation and win it every year. But it hasn't been like college football where like Bama... Um, yeah or even clemson mm-hmm. like you just don't have the or there hasn't been at least in the last 15 years or so the same level of like repeat kind of winners yeah especially because i think like last year so like a team like baylor who like doesn't have a ton of like really high end talent um can like put together a really nice solid team and like win like you don't have to like have like the best best talent to win in college basketball which i think is kind of cool yeah yeah there's another uh i also read that the idea that like Kentucky is like a one and done school or team is like not as accurate as it used to be because because of the transfer portal uh, rules now they recruited they like they had the most uh, amount of transfer transfer players that have played under Calipari on one team this year they had four so it's not it's not just like a young freshman team anymore it's there's like a, a grad student a junior mm-hmm. and two other junior the other three were juniors basically so it's not necessarily this, this, this like five starting freshmen. Like I don't know if it was in the twenty twenty, the twenty twelve season necessarily if it was all freshmen, but that was like the one and done team, right? The Anthony Davis team. Yeah. It's not necessarily like that anymore, either. Yeah. But. But yeah, players players are going to college. They hope they can win a championship, but yeah, they're not from a player's perspective for sure. You're trying to get to the league. Yeah. If you're a top tier player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely agree that if I were a player, I'd see John Calipari's record at getting guys into the NBA, even in his like last few years, which have been less college basketball successful. Mm-hmm. And that would mean a lot. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for our show. Just because we're over does not mean you also have to be one and done. We have two other shows that we do we do on a weekly basis, No Days Off and Pit Stop, uh, hosted by Jared Lucas and I, respectively. Um, so go ahead and subscribe to our, our feed. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter, again, at lunchpailguys underscore. Follow a lot of our content and all that. And we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you.